Ready for some word? Okay, let's go to Joshua chapter 1. If you have a Bible, if you have an iPad or a Bible app on your phone, Joshua chapter 1. Well, we started a series a few weeks ago uh, that I want to pick up with today and continue along these lines. It's called the you factor. All right, we're asking the question, how big of a factor are you? Or is it all God? Or is it all my upbringing? Is it all the people around me and the opportunities I get? Or do I play a role? In fact, a very big role in my own success, in my own uh, fruitfulness and ability to live in and enjoy God's best in life. And we start with Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. It reads, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And so we can see very clearly that our success is directly connected to what we do with what God has said. If, if the Lord has an amazing plan and a very bright future and a wonderful experience for us to enjoy both in this life and, and, and of course in the life to come, uh, but we give our thoughts and our meditations and our actions over to negativity and the things of this world. And we constantly ponder and meditate on the wrong things. We are not going to have what God designed for us. He just didn't set it up that way. He, he created us. He created his kingdom with laws that govern our success. And it is all connected to what we think about, what we meditate on, and what we give ourselves to. So if we don't like our present experience or, our, or where we're headed, it starts with giving thought time meditation to what the Lord has said, and we get straightened out, and we can produce our own success by using God's Word. Everybody okay? And so, in order to successfully identify in ourselves what is not working, what is working, it is vital that we first understand the makeup of a human being. How did He design us? How did he create us? Um, what are the components that make up our lives? And I've, I've seen that many scriptures uh, are greatly misunderstood without this base knowledge of how God designed us as human beings, okay? And I'm not getting into biology today, but, but it does serve as a good example because I'm not just talking about the outward. Uh, but if you were to go to a doctor and, and, and they say, well, we need to do surgery, and so they cut you open, uh, don't you kind of hope they know that that doctor knows the difference between the heart and the liver? <laughs> the lung and, you know, the... Intestines and other organs and there's a reason they go to school for a long time, right? So when they go in there, they know what they're doing. <laughs> they know what is what. Uh, and so they're not going to be successful in repairing a person's physical body without a great knowledge of what's in there. What this looks like, how this functions, what this does. Uh, and likewise, in life, we will not be successful if we don't know how God created us. What are the components to a human being. What is our character? What is our nature as human beings? And so let's get into this. Uh, we are three-dimensional. 
Do you know you're a three-dimensional being? Okay? You could call us a trichotomy. We are three parts. The scripture tells us that we are spirit, soul, and body. All right, look over with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. And if you look at some of these verses with me, it'll help you in, in going forward to know that it, not only it is scriptural, it is there, uh, but it helps to look at it with your own eyes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 reads this way. Now, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. All right, notice that word completely, not partially, not just a little bit, but everything, fully, completely, nothing left out. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So notice the language, completely, holy, spirit, soul, and body. The, the, the reality is, though, uh, is we have not, when I say we in this context, I'm talking to born-again people, people who have been saved, they've received eternal life. You may not be in that category yet, uh, but I hope it's not yet, yeah? But if you've been saved, only one-third of your being is, as he desired here, as he, as he wanted, only one-third is sanctified completely. The other two-thirds of your being... Uh, they still need some work. They need some help. But it's very essential that we identify which part of us is fully finished. The buzzer went off, right? Cooked all the way through, out of the oven, done, complete. And which parts of us need to stay in the oven? Which, which parts of our being need more attention? Because scriptures, you'll find sometimes they will speak of one part of you and sometimes they will speak of other parts. And if I don't know the difference, I'm going to get it all confused. It'll end up looking like red Play-Doh and blue Play-Doh all mixed together, <laughs> right? I need to have a distinction because these colors are not supposed to be mixed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we are responsible um, for doing something with the other two-thirds. When I made Jesus the Lord of, and Savior of my life, that third part, that one-third part of me, boom, just like that, totally separated, sanctified, made holy and righteous before God. But that's not the only part of my life to deal with. And so let's break this down a little bit. There are some obvious um, uh, parts of us that we can identify, but I still think it's important to, to review these things. Um, we are, of course, that one part of us is body. Let's start, from, let's work from the outside in. I, I think we understand the physical part. We don't need that explained too much. However, it is important that we understand that we are not a body. You are not a body. I am not a body. I don't actually see you today. You don't see me. I'm on the inside looking out at you through these little windows. I am not a body. You are not a body. I, uh, uh, and, and so I understand what the body is, but if I recognize it's a temporary house, it'll help me to understand life here and life in eternity. Okay? It's my earth suit. When, you, when you're in your body, you can be here. When your body is non-functional, 
Your heart stops beating. Your lungs stop breathing. You can't stay here any longer. You have to leave. Right? Don't believe the movies that show dead people walking around. <laughs> they're caught between, between two worlds. You know, and someone left the body and they're still walking around here. No, if someone has, if someone has some kind of experience and they think they see that, they're probably seeing demons. It's a disguise. It's a, it's a deception. You have to be in your body to be on the planet. Soon as a person steps out of their body, like pulling a hand out of a glove, that person goes to be with their father. If their father is God, that's a good, that's good news. If their father is the devil, that's bad news. But they can't stay here, right? Uh, and, and so the physical part of us is not us. Now, we are responsible for what it does, but it's not us. We need to see the clear distinction. If you would look over at something uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. And he said, Paul is the, an apostle. He wrote many of the New Testament letters. He wrote this letter here to the church that was in Corinth. And uh, he said over here in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I discipline my body. I want you, want you to notice that language. I, I, who's I? I is Paul. I is the real him. I is not the body. He distinguishes himself from his body. I is on the inside of the body. But Paul said, I discipline my body. That's the way it's designed to work. The body is not in charge. Not supposed to be. With many people, it is in charge. It's the only thing they know. They feel it. They say, that's me. No, that's not you. That's your body. Your body feels that. You're on the inside. Supposed to, you're supposed to be running the house. Your house, run it. You let in what you let in. You keep out what you don't want in there. You control what it does, what it says. Right? Your body, you're in charge. But it's not you. You're living in there. Paul said, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. So very interesting that he distinguishes between himself and the house he's living in. Between himself and the body. He almost treats it like two separate entities. Why would you do that? Well, if you think that way, you'll stop embracing everything you feel as being you. Too many times individuals... Let me come back to that thought. I want to finish the verse. Bring it into subjection, lest, by, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So he's saying, if I don't control it, if I don't discipline it, if I don't keep it in subjection, I'm not going to be able to preach anymore. Because I'll disqualify myself from standing in front of people and proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They won't hear me because of all I let my body do. Yeah? So we got to control this. But again, going back to that, that premise, um, if I am not my body, then I shouldn't lay claim and ownership and identity to everything that my body wants, feels, experiences, even when it comes to things like disease, uh, people are very quick to say, I am a, and they label their disease. And they quickly take on themselves and say, I am. Now watch, some of you, this might be new to, that's okay. It was new to me at one point. Uh, some say, I am a diabetic. Well, you've just embraced that spiritually. 
when it's just in your body. And when we embrace something internally that's in the outside, we give it permanent position to remain. But if we identify that is in my body, it is not who I am. The scripture never calls me that. There are no passages that says, in him, you are diabetic. You are diseased with some other condition. That's not in Christ. That's in your house. All right. So I don't want to get too close to it and embrace it and say, that's me. I remember, uh, well, a few months ago, a woman came to me after a service and she was sharing with me about her healing, how she had been healed. And she started telling me, uh, the, you know, what she, a little bit of her story. And one of the significant events in the process, because she was fully recovered and fully healed of something that she couldn't have been, naturally speaking, it was the Lord. And, uh, and she told me one of the significant parts of her journey is when, when we were having a healing service on a Wednesday night, and I, I was ministering, laying hands on people, she, and I didn't remember this in particular, but she said, you came over to me, and you put your hands on me, and you said, body, straighten up. And it really impacted her and her body straightening up. How many know I, was, I wasn't telling her to straighten up? I wasn't saying, you need to get your act together. <laughs> You've got, you are twisted, and no, her body was twisted. Her body was messed up. I wasn't correcting her. I, I was talking to her body. How many know we should see the difference in that? See, sometimes people don't realize it, because I know when I'm, if someone comes to me and they say, hey, would you pray for me or lay hands on me for something, I might be a little bit annoyed, but not with you, with the problem in your body. I'm annoyed with the devil. He has no right to tread on God's property. So I may be aggressive. I may pray a little louder than I would. Then, you know, then praise the Lord, sweet Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I may be, you know, come out. I rebuke you, but I'm not getting on the person being aggressive with that, that, that thing that attacks them. See, but I understand the difference. What's in their body is not necessarily them. And so we should, we should recognize the difference. If you've struggled, I know sometimes people are taught this, and if this is ingrained into you, you'll have a little pushback when I say it, but, but consider it, humble yourself, consider it. Uh, people say, uh, I'm an alcoholic. When's the last time you had a drink? Well, 15 years ago. Well, you're not an alcoholic. Now, your body may have that potential, that whatever, that addiction, that's not you. See, I want to identify with who Jesus says I am. He didn't say that about me. Someone said, I I'm an adulterer. Well, what do you mean by that? You did that, you committed, don't label yourself that for the rest of your life. That's not who you are in Him. It's forgiven, you know. Have you dealt with it? Or, I mean, are you living that way? That way? Then He'll still forgive you and, and embrace you and, and lift you up, but that's not who you are. Everybody okay? See, we, we are responsible for what we do in our body. I need to take charge of it, but it's not me. It, it's like the, the, the story of the guy who was driving through town one day going 60 in a 25. And the police pulled him over. Pulls the guy over. He comes to his window said, dude, seriously, you were going 60. 
It's 25 zone. 60. And the guy looks it up at the police officer and says, uh, no, actually, um, I'm a spirit. That was my body. <laughs> I, I wasn't really doing that. <laughs> so, so the police officer said, okay, I get that, that you're right. We'll just put your body in jail and, <laughs> and we're going to fine your spirit for, for keeping bad company. Uh, <laughs> Say it out loud. Say, I am not a body. Yeah, you live in a body. Sometimes the one of the ways to get, get a hold of it is to, uh, it's, there's something in the Bible that's not real pleasant. It's called fasting. It's when you make your body skip meals. And you say, Mr. Body or Mrs. Body, or uh, you're not having dinner today. <laughs> or you're not having breakfast, lunch, or dinner today. What will your body do if you say, if you tell it that? It will scream at you. You are trying to kill me. <laughs> and it will yell. And it, it, what? But it, why? Because your body wants to be in charge. And when it screams at you, say, now you're running around the block. <laughs> Just for that. And you say one more word. <laughs> Young lady. <laughs> and you're not going to eat for three days. See, but there's a difference. You remind yourself of who's in charge, then you can start ta taking control, all right? Now, when we move to the inward side of our, of our nature, the inward side of our being, we have two components called the spirit and the soul, all right? The spirit and the soul. Uh, unfortunately, uh, many are not, they don't have any understanding of the difference. They, they'll, they'll use those two words interchangeably, they talk about their spirit, and then they'll talk about their soul, and they really don't see the clear difference. They kind of think about the same thing. And there is a clear distinction in the Scripture. I, I want to read over from James, James chapter 1. Now, if you, if you go right in your Bible, Hebrews and then James. James was a pastor at, at the church in Jerusalem, and he's writing this letter to his church, and he had a bunch of backslidden people. Uh, but in James chapter 1 and verse 21, he, he writes, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now I want you to think about that, that language used there. He's talking to believers. If you read in chapter 1 and verse 2, he calls them brethren. All right? In other words, brothers. Or you could say brothers and sisters. Family. Already saved. Already washed in the blood of Jesus. Already in the family of God. Going to heaven. And now he says, if you will do this, it will save your soul. Now, if we don't understand what that means, how many know a person might speak up and say, uh, 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 Pastor James, mm -mm. I'm already saved. I mean, you were there. You clapped your hands and counted to three. And, uh, and I, <laughs> I lifted my, you prayed with me. I got saved. What do you mean I need to receive with meekness this implanted word to save my soul? My soul's already saved. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about your spirit because really it was your spirit that was saved when you got born again. 
When so, Jesus said in John 3, that which is flesh is flesh and that which is spirit is spirit. When he said you must be born again, he wasn't talking about the outward, but was talking about the spirit of man. All right? So when my spirit was born again, my soul was left unsaved. I mean, if I were to present it to you that way, if you're a believer here today, and, and I were to ask you, is your soul saved? I mean, how, how, how would you answer? How, how would you respond to that? Would you say yes, no, or how about this answer? Kind of. That's probably true for most believers, or maybe all believers, that our soul is in a process of salvation. We're not talking about going to heaven and hell here. We're not talking about receiving forgiveness of sins. That's spiritual. And that's one and done. It's forever established. I'm good to go. But my soul is another issue. And how many know that in this life, if we don't deal with the soul, it's going to be a hard life. I'm going to have a hard time relating to God and living out his plan and purpose for my life if my spirit is saved but my soul is left undealt with. And so, what he said here, if you'll receive with meekness, that's humility, and that's why we have trouble with this sometimes. Like when the, the preacher says something you don't like, and your soul goes, what, 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 what do you mean? Pride comes up. Pride rears its ugly head, and we stiffen and say, I've never heard it that way before. I don't, that's not the way I was taught. And pride will never grow. Pride will never increase increase in godliness because it's resistant of anything new. Say amen if you can. Say oh me if you can't. <laughs> but it's why we bring the word. He said this is what will save your soul. The implanted word. Goes back to Joshua 1 8. If you take this book of the law and meditate on it day and night, day and night, day and night, day and observe to do it, you'll make your own way successful. And here James says, listen, you guys, of course you're already saved. They know they're in the family of God. They're born again. Their spirit is made alive, but their soul is funky. It is messed up. That's why they're involved with all this wickedness. He said, you guys need to set aside this overflow of wickedness, all these crazy things you're doing. You've got to get in the word. If you'll get the word in you, it'll be implanted in you, and it'll, make, it'll have an effect upon your soul that nothing else will. This is why when we see people born again every week, well, what do we want next? I want to get the word into them. I want to change their thinking because I know their spirit was made alive instantly. Their body's still the same. It still has the same temptations. If they were overweight, they still are. If they were underweight, they still are. If, you know, the body didn't change. And the mind, the soul realm, you know, for the most part didn't change. It may have been affected. It may have been influenced. But it still has a lot of worldly thinking in it. I need to plant the word in there. The word will save it. Amen. And so it's the spirit that gets born again. The soul and the body have some work in this life. This is why many scriptures are confused when we don't understand the difference between the two and what the particular verse is speaking about. All right? It's why, it's why we often stumble when we try to diagnose someone's spiritual condition with God by analyzing their soul. And we say, man, they got some funky beliefs. They got some ungodly ways of thinking. And they're doing some things. I don't think they're truly saved. 
It's why we're not the ultimate judge in that. It's why many times we don't know. You can be looking at a carnal Christian and, and a worldly person, someone who's an unregenerate, unsaved person, and they look very similar. What does the carnal Christian need? Soul salvation. All right, needs the implanted word so their life starts looking outwardly. Spiritually, it's already different. Different in a minute. But outwardly, it doesn't look different until the implanted word separates them from the way they used to be. And so this is why, why, why these things are needed. Let me, let me read a couple verses to you and, and consider it. If you don't understand the difference in the three parts of our, of our nature, these things don't make sense. All right, Colossians 2 and verse 10 it reads, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Him is, is Jesus Christ. You are complete in him. Well, how, how many people look at their own lives and think, well, I'm definitely not complete. I'm not finished. Put me back in the oven. I'm not done. I've still got some problems in my body, and my mind. I've got some issues. I've got some things I need to clean up. How can you say I'm complete? I'm fully developed. I'm fully finished. In Christ. That's because it's your spirit. I'm not saying your mind is done. Right? Your spirit is born again. It's complete. Look at, uh, or notice this one. I'll read it to you. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 23. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Just man. Who's just man? Just are the ones who have been justified. You know, just as if I'd never sinned. When you're justified in Christ, your spirit is made perfect. Are you saying that Christians are perfect? In their spirit, yes, absolutely. In their soul, no. Do they always do the right thing in their body? No. Do we need discipline? Yes. Do we need to control it? Yes. But it starts, the engine that drives this is spiritual life, not human effort. Not just, um, I need a program. It's when I recognize who I am spiritually, because that's me. I let that influence my soul and my body. Here's another one. Uh, Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering, he has forever perfected those who are being sanctified. Here we go again. One offering. What's one offering? Jesus on the cross. One offering he forever perfected. So there, we, there, there the Lord goes again calling us perfect. And we look in the mirror and go, I don't know if he's right. We're looking in the wrong mirror. When we look in this mirror and we see who we are in the spirit, oh, <laughs> we are good looking. <laughs> All to, we've got our act together, strong, full of grace and peace and power, full of God's very ability and nature. Wow, look at me. I look back in the natural mirror. The more I look, let me say it this way. That's a, this is another message, side journey. The more I look in this mirror, the more I look in the other mirror and they start matching. I don't mean physical characteristics. I mean who my life really is, the real stuff, my character, my nature, the glory and life and power that I live in. Yeah? But we just, we define ourselves by natural things. We think, we think we're a body. We're not a body. 
We're a spirit made in the likeness and image of God. We have his life in us. And he has, in multiple places in scripture, called us perfect right now. Wow. Sometimes it helps me in this regard. If I'm acting a wrong way or thinking of acting or tempted to do something, I think, well, perfect people don't do that. So I'm not going to. Helps me to align my actions and my way of thinking with him instead of living out of my flesh. Living out of the outward man. All right, go to Romans 12. Let's finish there. So with our body, we contact the physical world. With our soul, we contact the intellectual world. Our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions. Okay? That's the part of us that it needs some work. We, it's how we relate to one another. But with our spirit, we contact the spiritual world. By our, with our spirit, we know God. You see, this is why many times if someone doesn't understand how they were designed, how they were made, they hear people saying, the Lord spoke to me. God told me this. And they start listening. Well, I don't hear anything. God never speaks to me. God is not a body. We listen with our body, and we listen with our mind, and we think, that's, we think the way we communicate with one another is the same way we communicate with God. God is spirit, and we are spirit. We're not evolved animals. We were made in a class, in the image of God. We were made to, to have a relationship with him, spirit to spirit. See, that's why it takes time. Why, why, why does it take so long sometimes to pray and really get direction or really become conscious of God? Because we live in a physical world. And if all we're ever willing to give is five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, that's the only time we give to spiritual activity, you can see why, why, why God is not very real to a lot of Christians. They know he is. They've received, they've had some, but he's not very real to them because their spirit is so ignored through most of their life. 24-7, then we squeeze a little God in, little spirit activity, and we wonder why his voice is so quiet. It's not. It's just quiet to you. Everybody okay? Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, here we go, you, you factor, that you present your bodies. Notice you are not your body, but you present your body. I'm responsible to present it. Now, I don't present my spirit. I am the spirit here. You, that's spirit. You, spirit, present your body. A living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the, here we go, renewing of the mind. What's that? That's the soul. That's what James called soul salvation. The saving of the soul, Paul called it the renewing of the mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there's a real clear distinction between the spirit, the soul, and the body. The way that we can gain victory in life and do better, and this goes to our success that we desire, we want, is if we can deal with our mind and 
renew it, like he said here, renew it to think like God. Take the word, James, again, James, the implanted word saves your soul. Here, where our minds are renewed to God's word. If we can get our mind over on the side of our spirit, now it's spirit and soul dealing with the body. Instead, what many believers often do is their spirit is almost neglected and their soul very worldly because of so little implanted word that it's body and soul battling spirit. Spirit that's made perfect, spirit that's been made righteous in Christ, it's been made holy, it's got all God's life and power and abundance there. Huh? And then our soul and our body are constantly battling it. Because we think like the world and our bodies deal with temptations and so forth. And so we have that fight going on. I need to get my soul over here in line with my spirit. That's the implanted word. That's the renewing of the mind. And as soon as I start thinking in line with who I am in the spirit, my body's toast. (laughs) Meaning it's not going to be able to rule and dominate in my life any longer. I'm going to be calling the shots and it's not going to. Hey, what do you call that? A mature Christian. What do you call that? A disciple. A follower of Christ. Not just a saved person. Not just someone who's going to heaven, but they kind of look like red and blue Play-Doh. Can't really tell. Huh? Now it's, now it's distinct. Wow, you're starting to look more like, more like Jesus every day. How do you do that? And we're not talking physical, obviously. We're talking character. We're talking in how we speak, how we conduct ourselves. We speak with authority like he did. We have great love and great compassion and mercy for people like he did. Huh? We have a standard to live by like he did. We look like him. How did you do that? I kept putting the word in again and again and again. And I, 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 day and night, day and night, day and night. And then it seemed like it kind of happened naturally. The things I used to do, they were easy now. Everybody okay? You see how it's not possible to live by faith if all we're aware of is the body? If the body is the only thing that's real to us, how can we live by faith? Hmm? We've got to get beyond thinking that physical things are the only thing real and recognizing, hey, God is a spirit and he's in me. And that's the part of me that's changed. Amen. This is how we walk by faith and not by sight. Praise God. All right. Now that we know what's going on there, we can start dealing with ourselves in more uh, greater detail. Next time. You coming back? I'm totally coming back. All right. I can't wait to hear the next part. Praise God. Father, thank you for working in us today.